Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor behind the steelcurtain.com, with you for another episode of the Steelers preview. It's been a while. Last week was that schedule extravaganza that we do every year, but still, we're back, the three of us. Uh, and joining me as always, Brian Anthony Davis, our podcast producer. What's up, Brian? I love being here with my dudes. And if you check out tomorrow's show, here we go, the Steeler show, you'll get you'll realize that if you're labeled a dude. That is a pretty big thing in the eyes of Kevin Smith. So you guys are my dudes. The dudes. Very good. Dave Schofield, other editor, BTSC. What's up, Dave? What's up, dudes? Good to see you all again. Been a long time. Kind of. Maybe. <laughs> Not really. Saw Jeff this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, we had the, the kids at the driving range smacking some golf. Oh, and it, it was, was it, it was a blast. <laughs> so we're not here to talk about golf. We're here to talk nope. about the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we have a lot to talk about. We decided this is the week that we as a show are going to break down a draft pick. Just kind of talk about that pick a little bit more in depth than what we did in those draft day recap podcasts we did on the day of the draft selection being made. But we're going to kind of do it in a unique way. It's not just going to be like, ah, this week is Kenny Pickett. It's going to be a little bit different. This week, we decided to also bring up another topic to discuss first. And I want to get to this first. We'll get to news in a second. I want to get right into this topic. It's, are the Steelers playing with fire at two positions, running back and tight end? That's the kind of the, the discussion here. And it's, it's difficult to gauge based on the fact that I don't think any one of us here understands or knows what Matt Canada's genuine offense is going to look like, nor do we even know what quarterback will be under center when the Steelers start the regular season. But when we just look at the depth of the positions, running back first, let's start there. You have obviously the three, and those are the three that most fans know their names. It's Najee Harris, Benny Snell Jr., Anthony McFarland Jr., and I guess you could throw in Trey Edmonds, so that's maybe a fourth. And then there's Mateo Durant, and who's the last one, Dave? Jalen Warren. The last two are obviously undrafted rookie free agents who are on the 90-man offseason roster. They have a shot, but we don't know much about them. But none of those running backs really bring out some confidence in the depth. Brian, how on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being I am scared to death that this is going to be this is one injury away from disaster to 10. I'm very confident in the depth. Where do you fall on that scale in terms of running back? Negative 22, Jeff. And the, <laughs> Oh, I am dead serious. Good, and, good choice in, in number. There you go. <laughs> because if there's negative number 22, which means no Najee Harris, you are up the creek without that paddle. So when I'm negative talking 22. about <laughs> negative 22, so when I'm talking about these guys, I'm really scared. I don't think that any of those guys exude co- confidence to me. The one I'm most excited about is Mateo Durant because of he's the sexy pick, the, the free agent, the undrafted free agent that they gave the most money to in history to. He's the guy that uh, did a lot of nice things, but he's still an undrafted free agent. And there's nobody, there's not even a Kalen Balage to make you feel good and realize that you have nothing to feel good about. 
Okay, Dave, same question about the scale, 1 to 10, 1 being disaster is near and 10 being super confident. Where do you fall in terms of the running back depth? Brian pretty much hit it pretty good with that one because it's one of those things that you're fine at running back until you're not. Because you know it's going to be riding the Najee Harris train. Anyone else that's around for it, you're going to be lucky to get double-digit snaps in a game. Forget double-digit carries. You'll be lucky to get double-digit snaps in a game. But as we know, that is a position where players don't go a long string of years without missing time. That's why I predicted the Derrick Henry injury last year to the chagrin of a couple of my Tennessee Titan fan friends. I said, he he's due. He's played so many seasons without having a big injury. It's kind of like he he's the exception, not the rule. So he's kind of due for it. And then it happened. And I don't want to wish that on Najee Harris. We want the Steelers to, to be the ones that buck that. But the problem is when you don't, and, and if he has to miss time, you don't have much there uh, waiting at all. Okay. couple questions for you all here. I don't disagree with anything that you all said. First, is a yes or no? We'll just do this real quick. Do you think that Najee Harris is a running back that needs the ball, that needs carries, needs touches to get into the rhythm of the game, or do you think that he's a back that can be spelled for a drive even and be okay? Brian, what do you think? Yes. Which one? It was an or. You said a yes to the question that you gave <laughs> That's me. Right. You're right. You're right. That was my mistake. That was my mistake. Uh, I think he says yes. Oh, Brian, right. I love it. <laughs> I think it's, I was just trying to play by the rules. I didn't want to like I say, know. hey, I, I just know. said yes or no. And uh, Yeah, I, I think – I don't think he needs to be. I think he can get going right away. I think you've got to spell everybody. And Dave hit something on the head for me. The guy played 17 games last year. That doesn't happen in everybody. Nobody predicted him to play 17. They expected him to play 14 or 15. Something was going to happen. This guy was going to get banged up. And that makes, we always were scared about that when Ben Roethlisberger played a full season. When's that shoe going to drop? Well, with a running back, you got to be scared even more. So, but you do think you see, you're saying, and this is my fault. I gave you two scenarios and just said, (laughs) yes or no. You think that he's a back that can be spelled and not be, not miss anything. He's, he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he needs to uh, gain momentum like the bus did sometimes. Okay. Dave, what about you in terms of what style of running back? Let's eliminate the yes or no. What style of running back do you view as Najee Harris? I have mine in my head, but I want to ask you first. To me, I think he, Brian is right that he's a guy that can be spelled, but I don't think he should be spelled in the first quarter. I think it's, that's why it's a kind of a combination of both. You want to get him ramped up. So if you get him out there and you and you say, oh, well, here's the first two drives, and they happen to you know only get one or two first downs of the two drives, oh, we'll give him the third one off, then he's really not getting going. But it's also okay to say, hey, we're going to spell him for the first part of this drive. If this drive's more than more than eight plays, then then he can go back in and be ready to go. That's I think Najee would be fine. The Steelers have to have that guy in order to do that, though, and I don't know that they do. 
I don't know. I feel like Najee's a workhorse. And and everyone mm-hmm. says, like, I, I think that's what Mike Tomlin was so attracted to in Najee Harris. He's a guy that wants the football. Give me the ball. I don't want to come off the field. I'm a three-down mm-hmm. back. I'll do everything you want. And I think that's what Mike Tomlin loves about him. And I also think that's one of the reasons why Mike Tomlin has kind of ignored the backup running back situation for the vast majority of his time in Pittsburgh. Yes, there was the D'Angelo Williams experiment. Yes, there was the LeGarrette Blunt experiment. However, even LeGarrette Blunt, who was upset with his touches, D'Angelo Williams, if it wasn't for Le'Veon Bell's uh, suspension and or injuries, he wouldn't have gotten touches either. Nope. So my question is, I don't, I I could have told you all that this was going to happen, that they weren't going to get a, a running back. Maybe, they actually, in, in my mind, they did exactly what I thought they would, and that's they just picked up a couple undrafted rookie free agents and see if someone can make the team. I think they're happy with Benny Snell. I think they're happy if Anthony McFarlane can stay healthy. He's a change of pace back. I just think that a lot of fans want that D'Angelo Williams, and it's been brought up in our live chat a couple times, but at what price? And are you even going to use the guy? Like, that's the question. So, Brian, I'm going to throw it back to you. So, I'll give you some names here. I I did this for the Let's Ride podcast on Friday. I looked up several positions and some players that are still available. At running back, I don't have tight end, just running back. David Johnson, 30 years old. Devontae Freeman, also 30. Jarek McKinnon, 30. Alex Collins, injury prone, 27. Latavius Murray, 32. What, what I mean, th- those are like the big name guys that are out there. Kalen Balaj is still out there, shockingly. Who are you bringing in? At what price are you bringing them in? And are they even going to play barring injury? Well, that's the million dollar question. And I am still to this day really angry about the LeGarrette Blunt situation because everybody is mad at Le- LeGarrette Blunt. I'm not. They screwed up royally when they did not give put him in there for maybe more than a series or two maybe two series to help spell bell because they ran the wheels off of him they got bell hurt a lot of times they did that the same the same thing they were on their way to doing it with d'angelo williams when he became the starter they was it was just d'angelo or nothing and you just can't do that. So if I'm going to grab from that list, I'm probably bringing in a guy like Jarek McKinnon because he has experience being in like a three-man rotation in San Francisco. And what he did at Kansas City against the Steelers in a couple games last year towards the end of the season was quite remarkable. So I'm bringing in a guy and having the conversation you didn't have with Melvin Ingram the third, and saying that, hey, you're you're here in case of emergency, but we're still not going to just get let you gather dust. We're going to give you some time, but know that your time is limited because you're behind Najee Harris. Dave, thoughts on that situation? Yeah, it's it's tough. Uh, you know what might be the Steelers' best interest if one of those aging running backs still isn't being used even through the preseason. Throw them on the practice squad if they just want to come in and still have a shot at the NFL as as an emergency guy just in case. Because I'm sorry, I sat in the stadium and watched Ben Tate start a playoff game coming off the street after week 17. Because you could think that the Steelers are good, great, and grand with Najee Harris. He's the man. 
it could be the last series of the last regular season game. And if something happens, you're, you're in trouble. So that's the only problem with doing that the whole way. At some point you've got to, you know, next man up, next man up, but, but you got to have that next man up ready. So to me, you got to give a little bit and, and give a few carries somewhere else. But if not, at least have a backup plan going there. The Steelers might say, hey, we want to stay young at that position. And if it doesn't work out in training camp, that's a position that we're going to look at between preseason week three and week one. You bring up the practice squad. Are they still continuing the veterans on the practice squad? Do we know? That's my understanding that it was supposed to expand the practice squad by this season anyway from the last CBA. I'm not sure exactly how far they jumped ahead because of COVID. I don't see any reason now now why they would go back. I think the NFL, the NFLPA, I think everyone's happy with how they've done the practice squad the last two years. It's I, I still don't think that's official, but I think that's what they'll stick with. So you're suggesting, Dave, that they do the Taco Charlton route from last year. Yeah. Taco Charlton was signed, put on the practice squad, and was, was there until if and or they needed him. Carl and Joseph. Carl and Joseph they didn't need another him. one. Okay. Yeah. I don't mind that route because it's not going to cost you a lot of money. And I just don't think that the Steelers – with the way that they use their running backs need to use a lot of money at the position. They can find one of these veterans. And honestly, you know, two of these players, Freeman and Murray were on the Ravens squad last year when they had all those injuries at the running back mm-hmm. position, they didn't play horrible. I mean, they were still their experience. So I, I can see where you're going there. Okay. Now let's go to tight end. There's the other position we want to talk about. Not much depth there. Pat Fryermuth, We all know about him. Zach Gentry came out of nowhere. Make sure you check out the Steelers Vertex article on him, which aired on Behind the Steel Curtain. It's published today or Thursday mornings. Check it out. And then Kevin Rader is still on the roster. Dave, there's a couple others you said. Do you have those names in front of you? Well, you said Connor Hayward, right? Um, No, because we're going to talk about Connor Hayward later. He's our draft pick for this week. I know. Well, technically, he's on the depth chart. And then it's Jay Sternberger. Sternberger. There, I I said it right. There you go. Okay. He was on the practice squad last year. I know he played some with Green Bay the year before, or maybe even earlier last year. I can't remember exactly when. Uh, Some people were excited about him, but he never really did anything beyond the practice squad. Okay, so same confidence question. One to ten. One being we're screwed or 10, I'm comfortable. Brian, we'll start with you. I'm actually going to go high on this. I'm going to say seven. I really? I, re- I I think they're fine. I love the jump that was made by number 81, Mr. Zach Gentry out of Michigan, who was a project when he was drafted. And that project is starting to sh- take shape into what they want out of him. I, I feel that he he's able to catch the football. He's able to do well. And with with the presence of a uh, drafted rookie that we're going to talk about in a little bit, I think that he adds so much to it too. Tight end is a position if the system is right and if you have a good coach and you have a very good coach in Alfredo Roberts, I think this is a position that they're going to be fine. I don't want to see something happen to Patty Fryermuth, but if it does, I don't think they get killed. I also think that they go ahead and bring somebody in if that happens. And it could very easily be a guy like Eric Ebron to come back in if this guy gets injured and if he's still available. Dave, you said seven, Brian. Is that what your confidence scale was? Yeah, seven. Okay. And and right. it was close to eight. Okay. Dave, do you uh, echo that sentiment or no? 
Not exactly. I don't have as much confidence um, because the way the Steelers have it set up. I like how they have it set up to a degree. If you read the Steelers Vertex article, I really like what Zach Gentry did last year. I really like what he brings to the Steelers. He is, to me, Zach Gentry is to Pat Ferrermuth as as Matt Spates was to Heath Miller. I mean, it, it's really what, what it is. It's a different style of tight end. The problem is the only style of the Pat Fryermuth real big offensive weapon that they have is Pat Fryermuth. Your number two guy isn't the same type of tight end, in my opinion, right now, unless he's expanding his game more. I mean, which would be great because we saw a huge jump last year. Maybe that's where Gentry jumps this year. I don't know. But he doesn't seem to be the, the explosive offensive weapon that Pat Fryermuth is. So if Fairmuth goes down, you're dealing with, with other tight ends that aren't the same type of tight end. Even when we get into our talk later about the draft pick, once again, whole different type of tight end. You're, you could potentially be talking about three tight ends on the roster where it doesn't seem like any one of them would be that great at filling in for the other. If, if that makes any sense. That's so point. that's my concern is that when, if one goes down, whether it be Fremuth, whether it be Gentry, if that would still be concerning because you don't necessarily have the same thing. The closest thing that you have is if you still stick with Kevin Rader, like on the practice squad, that he would be the closest thing to a, to a Zach Gentry. But I don't think you have anything close to a Pat Fairmuth, hence why Brian had the idea of if something went down, then you would have to maybe look elsewhere for like an Eric Ebron that's more of the offensive weapon. The, the great thing about 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 good old uh, um, Pat, Patty Free is that he also does bring that blocking as well. So he really is the whole package. So if there was a bunch of those guys running around growing on trees, everyone would have a couple, but uh, I think Fairmuth is really going to be something. So it's going to make it tough. Like I know I'm going on a little bit about this, but when we see the elite tight ends in the NFL, when they go down, they don't have the next guy ready to step in because they're that great. And I'm, I'm thinking Fairmuth could be making that step this year. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you all said. I, if they're going to use, and this has not been, this is literally just speculated on mainly our podcast. If they're going to use Pat Fryermuth in the slot, like you said, guys, like mm -hmm. th there's not someone on this roster that can do that unless they're a wide receiver. Yeah. And you can't, you know, everyone knows Matt Canada likes pre-snap shifts. He likes movement on the offensive line. He'll flex out players. He'll bring them back in line. Not many you know, you don't, you can't put Zach Gentry in there. Like, oh, they're going to flex him in the slot. No, they're not going to do that. So it's that could change a lot of things. So let's look at this from. But we still a, love what he does, though, don't we? We you love Jack Gent Zach Gentry for who he is. You just don't want to ask him to be something that right. he's not. Exactly. Isn't that is, is that kind of what we're all in agreement with? Yeah, I think so. He's the Matt Spath to Heath Miller. Yeah, he has a job, and he's really good at that job. Yeah. You can't really ask him to do the other person's job because he's not that player. So let's talk about this from a more uh, global perspective in terms of this title, which position kind of gives you more concern in terms of, you know, we're talking about playing with fire at these positions. Is it running back or tight end? Which one's, which one concerns you more? Brian, we'll start with you. 
absolutely running back hands down drop that mic all right dave you agree yeah i would i agree but i don't think that it's i the the, the huge separation is the same as much as brian brian's hands down running back i could see the debate for both but i still think it's running back that's more yeah, I'm probably going to agree with that and say it's it's running back. And it's it's one of those things where, again, I'm not going to go berserk over the backup running back situation because I don't think they want to take Najee Harris off the field. Yeah. It's just a, well, what if? You know, what if he it's gets hurt? And then, not a problem to it's a problem. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and you could say that with a lot of positions on a lot mm-hmm. of teams. So, one player that we're going to focus on today is six-round draft pick out of Michigan State, Connor Hayward, and that's the draft pick we're going to focus on today. He could fill a lot of roles on this offensive roster, and when Mike Tomlin labeled him as a Swiss Army knife and Kevin Smith wrote a tremendous film room on him that in his time in college, not recently, but the guy's done almost everything. He's returned kicks. He's run the ball out of the backfield like a running back. He's done the H-back. He's done the tight end. He's done the fullback. Those are, those are a lot of boxes that you're checking off uh, when it t- when it comes to trying to find a way on a team. Some thought that it would be a stretch for him to make the team as a six-round pick. I don't necessarily see it that way. How do you think Connor Hayward finds his way onto this team, and where does he fit in particular with the running backs and tight ends that we're talking about today? Brian, we'll start with you. I think the sixth-round pick these days is a lot more revered than the seventh round pick. I think that the Steelers and a lot of teams expect to still get something pretty good out of that sixth round pick and at least have that player make the roster. Now, Connor Hayward was drafted to make this roster. It has nothing to do with his family. It has everything to do with what Jeff just mentioned, the Swiss Army knife. When Trey Norwood, was mentioned by on draft day by that very same coach, Mike Tomlin, a year ago as a Swiss Army knife. That's a guy that they look at and they're like, well, we're going to pick these guys late because they give you more tangibles than the other guys. They give you so much more. You get this, this, and this. And wait, there's more. It slices. It dices. It vegematics. Yes, that's what you're looking for in a guy in the late rounds that could cover a lot of roles and spots on your roster, and that's exactly what he does. One of the things that we loved so much when about the Steelers over the years was that fullback position. We loved that when they were in short yardage that you saw Dan Kreider or Rosie Nix lining up there and leading the way. And every once in a blue moon, you saw Rosie Nix catch a pass. And in that 39-38 game, right after the Shazier injury in 2017, Rosie Nix caught a beautiful touchdown pass that was vital to that game. They want to have a guy that they can go ahead and put in in a lot of positions and be comfortable And Connor Hayward has done it in college, and he is comfortable doing it. And if you want to talk about family anywhere, you know about the work ethic of the Haywards, and that is probably the only way that family is going to come into this equation, gentlemen. Okay. Dave, what are your thoughts on Connor Hayward's finding his way and his niche on this team? It's finding his way and finding his niche on this team because – that's ultimate the question, ultimately the question because he's a sixth-round draft pick. 
uh, you know, too many times we get too excited about six round draft picks because I kind of look at the fifth round. That's your question mark. Will they make the team? If a fourth round pick is a rookie, does it make the team? That's more of a big deal. Fifth round is when you're getting a little bit iffy. Sixth and seventh, to me, it's not, if they don't make the team, they don't make the team. So some people already have Hayward penciled in. He's a lock for this team. No, I'm hopeful he's making the team, but I'm not saying that is is definitely, I'm not betting my house on it for sure. Get, humor me for a minute, gentlemen. All right. You ready? Listen to these names. Guess what these are? Pittsburgh Steelers sixth round draft picks. Quincy Roche, Antoine Brooks Jr., Sutton Smith, Isaiah Bugs, Ulysses Gilbert III, Colin Holba, Travis Feeney, Latarius Walton, and Anthony Ciccolo, Jordan, Jordan Zumwalt, Daniel McCullers, Justin Brown, Vince Williams, Keith Williams, Jonathan Dwyer, Antonio Brown, Rashawn Harris, Mike hum, Humpel, if I get that right, sorry, Ryan Monday, Marvin Phillip, Chris Kiamatu, Bo Lacey, Matt Kranchek, Drew Kaler, Lee Mays, Rodney Bailey, Roger Knight, Chris Combs, Jason Gavadaza. Gavadza. Yeah. Those are the six round draft picks under Kevin Colbert since 2000. Some of those names we recognize because we're like, oh, geez, why are they on the field? Some of those names we recognize because we hyped them up and they weren't all that we thought. Yes, you get the Vince Williams in there. Yes, you get the Antonio Browns in there. Even the even players like the like the Ryan Mundys that comes through. And it, you could even say Jonathan Dwyer for a bit. Anthony Chicklow stuck around for a while. A lot of people think it was too long. Same with Daniel McCullers. But for the most part, look at how many of those six-round draft picks didn't stick around very long at all. So Yes, I like Connor Hayward. Yes, I think he's different. Yes, I think the Steelers are taking a flyer on a player that doesn't really fit into any one position, and they think maybe they could utilize him. But it doesn't have to work out, and they don't have to force it because it's a six-round pick. Don't talk bad about Colin Holba, Dave. <laughs> the greatest six-round pick in Steelers history. Didn't even make the team. Okay, so Connor Hayward, what, what fans need to think about is this. Yes, there's a lot to like about Connor Hayward. His way to the team is special teams. <laughs> that is the way onto this team, making the 53-man <laughs> roster, is showing value on special teams. From there, if you make the team in that avenue, you can maybe branch out and be an H-back, tight end three. And I don't think they're getting rid of Derek Watt either. Do, do any of you seeing Derek Watt's job in jeopardy after the drafting of Connor Hayward? Brian, what do you think? I do not whatsoever. In fact, I'm anxious to see if Matt Canada tries to mix him in as well. Okay. Dave, you think Derek Watt's job is in uh, trouble? I don't think they're the same player. I really don't. I know I know Andrew Wilbar because he gets so into the draft, he tries to put players in certain places where he thinks he should be. Oh, he should be a fullback based on this, 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 and this. These measurables. That's not necessarily the case. I still don't know that Connor Hayward could do what Derek Watt does. And too many Steelers fans are completely discrediting the importance of your key special teamer, your special team's captain. It's because so many times their reserves on defense, you just think of them as that reserve. You know, the Tyler Matakavich of, of the world, that Derek Watt is still not, you know, not getting paid as much as Matakavich as a reserve. But 
a special teamer, or at least last year. I don't, I don't, I haven't looked at his salary coming up with this year or anything. Um, so you got to remember that, that that's why he has value. And that's why you brought that up with Connor Hayward. I still think that that's the biggest reason he has a chance to make this roster because he offers something different and he offers you special teams. Why do you think Benny Snell's still sticking around? Because he gives them a lot on special teams. That's a lot of the times these guys are like, why are they still with the Steelers? A lot of times it's because of what they, that they can also, they give them depth, they give them options and they give them special teams. So I don't, I think Derek Watt, I wouldn't do anything with him. Even if they just call, even if they, if they took the FB off in front of his name and just put ST, people might even feel better about it. But, but there's just no one else on the, you, you don't need more than one fullback. And I don't think Hayward's going to be that role necessarily anyway, that in, in the way that Watt would be the same thing. They're just different players. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So Connor Hayward, he was the player we highlighted this week. We'll be interested to see how he's utilized outside of special teams in the offense with Matt Canada. There's been a lot of connections between the players that Canada had when he was at Pitt, and that's the offense that he might be trying to rebuild and how Hayward fits into that. We'll see. We will see. And the running back and tight end, uh, that's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure as training camp approaches. Before we get to the trivia and aspect of, of our show, I want to ask you all about the GM search and update you on the general manager search. The Steelers for the last two weeks have been doing their second round of interviews. These are where they ask people to come back for a second interview. Sorry, Lewis Riddick was not one of these gentlemen. Uh, we don't know if this is it. They have interviewed six people, I believe. Um, here is the list that uh, I did have it here uh, compiled. Here we go. Uh, we had John Spytek from the Buccaneers, Doug mm -hmm. Whaley, who has been with the Steelers and the Bills, Andy Weedle of the Eagles, Ryan Cowden with the Titans, Omar Khan, and Brandon Hunt, both internal candidates. So we're not sure if the Steelers are done. It's been speculated that they might be finished with these six, and then they, if they do a third round, that's just absurd. Like, just let's can we pick a GM already? But uh, Brian, is there one name over the others after it's been a while since we've talked about this? It used to always be, well, Brandon hunts the guy. This is kind of silly. They've been taking their time. They've been doing their diligence. What do you think about the GM search, Brian? Well, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm probably going to uh, dust off my Dave answer of the year. <laughs> and look, yes. I don't care. All I care about is that whoever the Steelers pick then they did their due diligence and they did it right. I'm fine with that. Now there's one guy on this list that I would like to be removed. I was thrilled when Lewis Riddick was removed. I thought that was a celebrity sexy name. And you throw in a guy that, oh, everybody knows him because he talks all the time. I remember the Mike Mayock experience in, in o Oakland and Vegas. Everybody knew him because he talked a lot. Oh, he's going to be a great GM. He knows all about players. No, he sucked. I, I'm glad Lewis Riddick is not there, and I'm thrilled with that. The guy I went off the list now is Doug Whaley. Not because he offended me and old-time Steeler fans on the Jack Ham comment. I look at the Jack Ham comment of saying that a 215-pound player in would not work in 2022, but and you can hear more about this on Here We Go, the Steelers show tomorrow with Kevin Smith and myself. But the thing that scares me about that 
is that was just a really dumb comment because Mike Webster, who played at 250, 260, would have been 295, 305 these days. Jack Lambert would have looked different. Every single one of those guys looked different. You did not have a 300-pounder on an offensive line back then. And if you did, it was a rarity. So saying something like that just shows that you don't really know enough about players and there's a reason you're available. So as far as that goes, I want Doug Whaley off the list. I don't care that he offended anybody. I don't care if he would have said that about a Steeler, a Patriot, or a Buccaneer. It wouldn't matter. That was just a dumb comment, and I don't want that in my general manager. Dave, thoughts on the GM surge? Okay, well, first of all, between Whaley and Weidel, their last names both start with W, and I can't keep the two of them straight. So I knew one of them said something dumb about Jack Ham and Whaley. That was Whaley. And that's the, I'm like, I think to me, making that comment was one of two, either he didn't, he thinks he's not going to get the job and was angry and wanted to fire people up. Or he thought he might not get the job and thought by making a comment like that, it would get his a little bit more back into things because of thinking outside the box. I don't know. I just kind of thought that was, that was interesting. I, I've said a bunch about the whole Lewis Riddick thing. I don't see the Steelers hiring a general manager that hasn't worked in an NFL off, front office in 10 years. It just doesn't seem like them. But I said in the past, if they hired somebody like a Brandon Hunt, if they wanted to get Lewis Riddick in a role in the scouting department, even the head of that, I would have been in favor of that because that's getting it back into prepare to then have that job. I think – Riddick might be holding out for a GM position if that's what he wants to do, but I don't see any team right now after 10 years wanting to put him straight into the GM. If they do, I think it's a mistake, and I definitely don't see the Steelers as one of those teams, so I'm glad that was put to bed. But I wouldn't have been opposed to him being in the front office. To me, my my front runner is still I, – I like the whole idea of Brandon Hunt. As much as I think Omar Khan is great and fantastic at his job, I don't know – even me being a numbers guy, I don't know that the salary cap guy, I like to be the salary cap guy and not necessarily the general manager that has to then pour so much into the scouting and everything else. That's the reason why I would prefer that. But I still, if if it's not, if it is Brandon Hunt and not Omar Khan, I would love if they gave Omar Khan some kind of anything else of, of um, promotion in title and salary and all that other stuff, because he does a fantastic job at what he does. I just don't know right now that that's the right fit. The Steelers know this so much better than me. So whoever they pick, I'll be, I'll be happy with um, because they're the experts. You know, it's, it's interesting. The Whaley comments were all, it was all over social media, rightfully. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of silly. Uh Vince Williams chimed in on it, even on Twitter. But uh, one thing to keep in mind is that I didn't even care about that. I mean, it's, it's a bad look for someone that's interviewing for a job, Uh, Mm -hmm. but Brandon hunt is not sitting back and waiting too much. And and until Thursday, not Thursday afternoon, that was when they Mm -hmm. announced that they did have a second interview with Brandon hunt. He is interviewed for a lateral job with the Philadelphia Eagles. Earlier in the offseason, he had interviewed for the open open GM spot with the Las Vegas Raiders, and he has also recently interviewed with the Buffalo Bills for their assistant general manager position. This guy is positioning himself 
to try and move up the ladder, whether it's with the Steelers or not. And so this is, I, I don't blame him. I, I think it's a good decision. He's going out there and saying, look, I don't think he's pulling a Ken Wisenhunt back in 2007 when Wisenhunt's like, hey, you either let me know now or I'm out. And the Steelers said, we need to wait. They he said, I'm out. And he went to Arizona. And then it was supposed to be Russ Grimm's job before Mike Tomlin came in and wowed the Roonies. But still, I, Brandon Hunt, I mean, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. He's He doesn't have the experience. Everyone that saw Kevin Colbert out on the scouting trail this year noticed that Brandon Hunt was always right there with him almost every step along the way. That could be every year, and we just don't yeah. notice it. And this year we do because obviously yep. we knew that Colbert was going to be done. It's going to be interesting. I would imagine a decision made if they're not going to do another round of interviews next week. I imagine the next week we might have a Steelers GM, which should be a, a exciting. But if you were a gambling yeah. man, who are you putting your money on, Brian? If I'm gambling on this one, I'm going to go with uh, Weidel. Okay. Is that how you say it? I said Weedle. Is it I Weidel? have no clue. <laughs> I just know what I read and I know hey but great thing about following the Steelers, you can mispronounce names for years. My friend called him Rothlinberger until like I think last year. So I mean it, that's all right. Mario Lemiex, Jeremy Jogger, you know. I've never heard anyone I've never heard anyone say this. <laughs> I actually have. Lemiex, someone Lemmy mispronounced this. One of the greatest hockey players yeah. of all time. I tell you what, I went downtown and uh, Civic Arena that, and I saw that Mario Lamiex and that oh Jagger. They're really good. The Jagger thing, I get. The, the Lemieux. The I Lemieux. heard Lemieux. Palamalu. That's the thing. Yeah, Palamalu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which WDVE yeah. ran with that in the yeah. Palamalu. It's uh, uh, that, that, that was a good one. Dave, oh, man, if, you're, if, if you're a betting man, who is your GM, next GM? I'm going to go Brandon Hunt. I am because the Steelers know he's either going to get the job or he's probably going somewhere else because Brandon Hunt has to decide if he's not the guy, does he want to work for the next guy? And he's good enough that he doesn't have to, and he's going to, I think you'll have options. So that's not a reason to hire him, but I, I think that also puts him – um, right there with it. And sometimes you knew he was there to maybe, I don't think they're going more than six in this round. And maybe they saved him for last because maybe if everyone else heard that they had already interviewed him for a second time, everything else might just might not have been worth it to me. It was, they let everyone else, they were checking out everybody else, saving Brandon hunt. And as long as he comes in and, and does what, what they think, because they knew what they had in him then I, I think he's going to be the guy. All right. So I'll go with someone different. Uh, I'll go with spy tech. Um, he's done a lot of good work down in Tampa Bay and he has been there for that construction of that, that they have a really good roster. <laughs> if you look at their roster, like that's a really good football team. And he had a large hand in that. So I'll go with spy tech. Davis said Weedle or Weidel. I don't know. And uh, Brandon hunt for Dave. There you go. Do we have trivia from both of y'all tonight? All right. Oh, you do for me. I don't know if you do for Brian or not. If you do not for me. So let's go with uh <laughs> let's go with Brian first. Go ahead. Wait, 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 wait. Did you oh, miss wait, the super what? chat? Oh, I'm sorry I did. Yeah, I have right yeah. now. Yeah. Snowman, five dollars. My apologies. Thank you for the tip. We appreciate mm -hmm. it. Um, for anyone that wonders where does the money go that you donate to us, our own Shannon White and Andrew Wilbar. You might have noticed if you listen to their podcast, they sound a little bit better. 
we typically put the money back into the system in some place. They, we got the new microphones. That's how we've gotten all our microphones. It's our PFF account, our StreamYard account. All this money that you give to us, it basically gets funneled back into this that you see in here. So thank you for the tips. No, is there any news on the name change of Heinz field? Uh, I was following this pretty close uh, in the off season and the last I've heard was that they were talking. They were having negotiations about re-upping the um, naming rights. But I haven't heard anything definitive, nor have I seen an update in a while. Dave, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, when they went out of their way and said Heinz Field multiple times when they've released the schedule and the stuff that the Steelers did there, tells me that you are still, I, I think it's going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, it would be nice. So you're so you accustomed to saying it, but Brian, what do you think? I think it's uh, the the fifth year option. It's like uh, <laughs> they just picked up that was last year. Yeah, it's it's for one year. I I think uh, I think they're going to like maybe sign for one year and still consider what they're going to do with it, or Heinz is going to figure out what they're going to do with it because Heinz has become more of a Chicago company now, more than Pittsburgh with the uh by joining in with craft foods well it, it i learned so much more about naming rights than i ever wanted to by reading the articles <laughs> and stuff and typically a naming rights is for 10 years mm-hmm. that's what happened with the steelers and then they did 20 um, they did start. 20 but then after that it it went to like they, they did a shorter they term it one. was weird yeah it was weird it, these things that happen normally don't happen. U.S. Steel was supposedly getting involved. That's what I was going to say. They, they they're making a push, and if it's going to be anyone else, to me, that's who it's got to be. That would that would that's it? the only thing that would do it. U.S. US Steel, Steel Field. Yeah, that's know. what I would do. <laughs> that's weird. It's it's Heinz Field. Just keep yeah. the stupid name. Good lord. Okay. Um. Anyways, let's do trivia now. Brian, go ahead. All right, so this one's going to be quick and simple. Back in the late 70s, early 80s, the Steelers did something that they did in the 90s. They had a crush on a college. Remember in the 90s, and Dave Schofield brought this up last week, they had the crush on the Colorado Buffaloes, and they spent a lot of time in Colorado. In the late 70s, early 80s, not only did they have a crush on a certain school, they loved getting running backs. They picked a running back first overall in 1979, a running back first overall in 1982, and the best of the bunch was in 1980, an 11th round pick. Out of this same school, all running backs, what was the school, and who were these three gentlemen? 79? 79. Wait, what was the other? You said you said 82. 79 and 82. You said their first pick in 82? Number one pick in 79 was a running back. Number one pick in 82, running back. Same I think school. I know the one in 82, but that's all I would know. And I think I know what school he was. All right, hit me. Because we like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. It's Walter Abercrombie from Baylor, yes. right? Yep. That's the 82, but I don't know the other two. It was Greg Hawthorne in 1979. The number okay. the number 11 pick in 1980 Ended up being the best of the bunch here, and it was my man, Frank Pollard, a guy that I loved for the Steelers for a number of years. Originally wore number 44, ended his career, most of his career with number 30. So those were the gentlemen, and it was indeed 
Baylor. I wouldn't have known the other two. That was the only one I knew was Abercrombie. Good stuff. So I didn't yeah. know any of that. All right. Um, <laughs> is, do you have any more? Are there more parts to that? Or is that it, Brian? That's it. All right. Okay. Dave, Jeff, up. you get the answer first here because you're going to get uh, at least part of this right. Can I just like because, beat myself or leave and then come no, back? No, no, no. Because when I give it a, a question that has multiple answers, you let Jeff knock out the easy ones and then Brian try to clean up the rest to finish it out. There you go. That's the way to do it. Okay. Who are we talking about tonight? Connor Hayward. Connor Hayward. What's what's the biggest thing that people know about Connor Hayward? They know his brother and they know his dad. Right. So that's the biggest thing that a lot of Steelers fans, oh, you knew they were going to draft him because of his brother. And like Brian said, he thinks he doesn't think of him as Cam's brother. He thinks of him as Iron of uh, as Ironhead's son. But the Steelers also were criticized for taking a player with NFL bloodlines when they drafted TJ Watt in 2017 as you know, JJ's brother, or you could say Derek's brother still at the time. The question is, since TJ, between TJ Watt and Connor Hayward, the Steelers drafted, one of them is an asterisk, four players with NFL bloodlines between those two players. Who were they? Okay, start up. Start. <laughs> since TJ Watt was drafted, so... since TJ Watt was drafted in, in 2017, how okay. many other? I'm telling you, there's four other players that were drafted that had NFL bloodlines in their family. The four players. Who are they? Who were the four players drafted since? But between but Watt Terrell and Edmonds. Hayward. There Terrell you Edmonds. go, Terrell Edmonds. Not just because of his brother, but his also dad. because of his father, Brian. His father. Farrell Edmonds. Okay, there you go. All right. Uh, so that's one. One of them is a is a is kind of iffy, but whenever we uh, whether I count it or not, we'll we'll wait till you say it. So it has to be not just a sibling; it has to be the it, yeah. It could be sibling. It could be so. Would like anybody. Carlos Davis? That's the questionable one because technically, you know, his brother, his twin brother, hadn't played before Carlos Davis was drafted. He was drafted before, but him. he was drafted before him. So whether you wanted to count him as or not, he would be he would be in the four. But I could see if you threw it out and said it's just three. So that's another one. So there's two left. I'm looking at the live chats. I'll let Brian go. Yeah. Well, there's an easy one here. And Devin Bush Jr. That's correct. Devin not, Bush Jr. That, what, that one's not tough at all for me. The, the last yeah, one is the toughest one. I, I'm looking at, I mean, Matt Snell. It was, there you go. I, was he the grandfather or was he the uncle? I can't He's remember. the great uncle of Benny Snell Jr., Matt Snell was a running back for the New York Jets from 1964 to 1972. He won one Super Bowl, was first team all pro once, three Pro Bowls, and in 1964 was the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, we didn't get that out of Benny Snell, but they, yes, that is his great uncle. So those, me, those are the four players. Let me According throw to pro football reference. Let me throw one in that just came outside that window. It was Anthony uh-huh. Ciccolo. Chickalo yeah, had, didn't he have a, had his dad and his uncle. Yeah, but he he was that was not that was the year he's, before. He's outside. He's outside. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm that's why I missed that one. Well, I mean, I didn't even look for that one. So um, and if someone else had someone in there, it's because pro football reference didn't didn't list it, but that's just what I went by. So yeah. Very that's good, fun. Jeff. You got half of them. Yay. <laughs> All right. Final thought time. Brian, go ahead. 
All right, this is going to be a little interactive final thought, and I've got a question for each one of you. Jeff Hartman, in your car, do you have a jack for your tires? Something yes. goes wrong. Yes. And you have a spare. Yep. All right. Dave Schofield, do you have flashlights in your house with fresh batteries or candles in case the lights go out? I have flashlights. All right. When I was in high school, I didn't need it, but I was hoping I would at a condom in my wallet. So the reason I'm bringing these things up is I want to go back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this show. Do not put yourself in a position, Jeff Hartman, where your tire jack is Benny Snell Jr. Dave Schofield, definitely, man. Do not let Anthony McFarland Jr. be your batteries and your flashlight. Me? I am not going to let Mateo Durant be my condom. I do not trust it, and I do not think that's the way you go. Be prepared if something happens to Najee Harris. Do you remember these two names, gentlemen? Fitzgerald Toussaint. Jordan Todman. Oh, my gosh. That could have been a Super Bowl team in 2015 if you had something a little bit better backing up D'Angelo Williams. You didn't because you thought you could get away with it. Don't get away with it and make sure that you have a backup plan and maybe one day you might be not like young Brian Davis with a mullet. You might need that condom. Good luck following that, Dave. Go ahead. I I, I prefer the term prophylactic. Um, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> Brian's <laughs> right when it comes to uh, – we'll just stick to the Jeff and my example with the card. We'll go with the card, Jack. We'll go with the batteries. But you are correct. What I'm going to do to, for my closing thoughts is to say don't just apply that to these two positions. Because the Steelers also have these things in other positions that fans are wanting to already get rid of. The Steelers say they're going to go into training camp with four quarterbacks. For those of you that say, we need to get rid of Mason Rudolph now, then you still got to go get another one for training camp. Don't throw the jack out of your car simply because you need somewhere to put Brian's prophylactics or something like that. You know, you're, you need flashlight batteries in there. Don't get rid of them when you look at other positions. Oh, well, the Steelers have, look at the defensive line. Jeff and I struggled to actually cut down the defensive line. But right now you don't want to look at getting rid of one of those guys or moving on from someone because that's what they are. The fact that the Steelers don't have that at other positions and you're concerned about it, remember that. Don't take what they have at other positions where they have an excess for granted, thinking that they should go ahead and move on from that now. Because the last time I checked, the last time the Steelers traded a quarterback, their franchise got injured the next week. Good stuff. That does it for us on the Steelers preview. Maybe next week we'll be talking about a new Steelers GM. We'll see. Otherwise, we'll be breaking down another draft pick. So make sure you check out all of our podcasts, not just the ones that are live on Facebook and YouTube. Anywhere you get your audio, uh, anywhere you get your podcast, really, just search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain. You can find us there, subscribe, follow, so that you don't miss a thing. Dave, why don't you send us out? <laughs> Cam, after Brian stuff, how, how do you top that? Hey.
There you go. We'll see you next week for another Steelers preview. Take it easy, everyone. When I know that it can never really be the same.